Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. According to the Cleveland Clinic, allergic asthma is the most common type of asthma. In the United States, 25 million people have asthma, and 60% of people in that group have asthma caused by allergies. Dr. Wanda Pipitanical is here to speak with us about her team's research, allergic endotypes and phenotypes of asthma. Dr. Pipitanical is a professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School and the research center director in the Division of Asthma, Allergy, Dermatology, Rheumatology, and Immunology at Boston Children's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Pipitanical. Can you please give us an overview of this study? So a lot of my work in the lab is really related towards understanding certain phenotypes and endotypes and how they may have their trajectory for predicting response to different types of therapies based on, you know, many different characteristics. We look at cohorts of children and adults and get potential biomarkers. We characterize them by their phenotypes, looking at whether they have certain characteristics, race, ethnicity, whether their body mass index is a certain level, how they breathe, how their lung function tests go. So that's some of their phenotypes, which is like a picture of what they look like. And then there, we also look at endotypes. You know, we're starting to look at some of certain genotypes and things like that, that might predict how somebody may respond to certain types of therapies based on that genotype. And so In the lab, we found that there's certain individuals that have a genotype or a mutant allele on the IL-4 receptor, which seems to be much more associated with really significantly bad asthma. And this genotype or mutant allele seems to be much more common in minority populations. For instance, Blacks and Hispanics tend to have this more commonly. It is seen in whites as well. But what those who have this genotype, their asthma is worse. There seems to be this kind of dose response relationship with more inflammation, inflammatory markers. And they seem to have like a mixed kind of TH17 response as opposed to an allergic type 2 response. It's kind of a novel type of pathway that seems to explain why these patients seem to have more significant asthma. And so that was published in a couple of journals relatively recently. We had a paper in Nature Medicine that described this kind of genotype. And then in Nature Immunology, we also found that patients with this genotype seem to have more markers on the NOTCH2, NOTCH4 T regulatory cells that also seems to be licensed to more inflammation and asthma. So that's what some of the research is. We also look at the standard biomarkers, you know, that people have, they're not great biomarkers that are readily available, but, you know, looking to see whether they're allergic, whether their IgE level is elevated, whether they have high eosinophils and things like that. So that might get us into the second question of what types of biomarkers, you know, distinguish allergic asthma. And so we look at that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get a little bit deeper into that. If you don't mind explaining a little bit more, what biomarkers distinguish patients with allergic asthma? 
Yeah. So allergic asthma is one phenotype that's really, you know, we call it more this type two inflammatory asthma, and they seem to be triggered by allergens. It tends to have patients who are, you know, have a high IgE or lots of allergen specific IgE, which is a biomarker that can help distinguish that these patients are type two. Also patients who have elevated FENO or fractional excreted nitric oxide also tend to be more allergic so at the levels are greater than 20, 25, or 30. Those tend to be in that phenotype. And then patients who have a high eosinophil count, which is obtained by a cell blood count, you know, CBC with differential, and they have lots of eosinophils, they tend to also be allergic as well. So IgE, FENO, and eosinophils seem to be these kind of biomarkers. And then we're trying to understand a little bit more, you know, through some of our studies that there are even other genotypes, you know, that can help predict response. And, but they're, you know, they're not ones that are readily available. One of the studies that we are looking at is building from what this research showed where they have the genotype that's more common in minority populations, and then we're trying to treat them in a genotype stratified approach to see if they will respond more favorably to a medication that works on that IL-4 receptor. The study is called the IDEA study. So it's, you could do ideaasthma.org and it talks a little bit about the study and it's NIH funded and we're recruiting patients and genotyping them up front and then treating them with dupilumab, which is blocks an IL-4 receptor, works on that pathway to see if patients with this genotype respond more favorably to a biologic that works directly on that phenotype. Right. I know you mentioned some of this already before, but let's get a little bit deeper into it. What are the allergic endotypes of asthma? Yeah. So I had mentioned, you know, this type two inflammatory cells, cytokines such as IL-4 and IL-13 and IL-5 are important, but there's other ones as well. The eosinophil, you know, is elevated and IL-5 seems to rev up, you know, the eosinophils. There are immune-based therapies that block these, you know, cytokines. Some of them block the receptor so that it blocks the production of eosinophil counts. So that's something that we see in allergic asthma. And that's why there are therapies now. There are now five FDA-approved biologics that work on reducing type 2 or allergic type of asthma. So there are three that work on IL-5. So they block, two of them block IL-5, one blocks the IL-5 receptor, and in turn, that reduces the eosinophil count. And then there is immune-based therapy that blocks IgE, which is, um, and that IgE is also important in allergic asthma as well. And then that other biologic that blocks both IL-4 and IL-13 works on the IL-4 receptor. And so those are some of the, you know, endotypes in allergic asthma. And by phenotypically, you'll see these are patients who tend to have type 2 inflammation, they have allergic triggers, they are respond to type 2 medications, you know, with, based on their phenotype. There is also non-allergic asthma to not forget about as well. And until recently, there have been no immune-based therapies that work on the non-type 2, which is more, you know, it can be pollutants and other types of exposures that might trigger. These tend to be maybe those with a high BMI or body mass index or obese. And there is now a new anti-TSLP biologic that has just been approved for adults that actually works on the non-type 2 asthma as well as type 2. And that is one of the first to work on the non-type 2. I'm using the word type 2. Type 2 goes along with allergic. Non-type 2 is non-allergic as well. 
I talked a little bit about the endotypes and then I spilled into a bit about the phenotypes as well. Is there anything else you'd like to add about the allergic phenotypes of asthma or do you think you covered it? I think in children, most of the children are this allergic phenotype. While in adults, there is maybe 50-50, there's a significant portion that's not allergic. And so there's a lot of adults that until recently didn't even have any good therapies, you know, that work on the non-allergic type of asthma and, you know, corticosteroids and the five biologics I mentioned, there's omalizumab that blocks, you know, that works on IgE. There is reslizumab, benril, and mepolizumab. They work on the IL-5 cytokine, and that reduces eosinophils. And then there is benrilizumab, which works on the IL-5 receptor. And by doing that, it reduces eosinophils and reduces the allergic phenotype. And then dupilumab, which is one of the studies I'd mentioned before, is working on the IL-4 receptor and blocks IL-4 and IL-13. Those are all important in that type 2 inflammatory pathway, and they tend to work better in patients who seem to be allergic and have allergic triggers and things like that. I'm also doing some work looking at IgE in young children. So treating them with anti-IgE in, in little kids to see if we can prevent this allergic asthma march by modifying the progression of the disease. And that's called the PARC study. So that's parkstudy.org has a video and has like information on it as well. That is, you know, what I would say, the phenotypes I view is the picture or how you see the patient and the endotypes are biomarkers and things that you can get, you know, through blood or sampling, sputum and things like that, that talk about some of the characteristics involved in allergic asthma. So to sum it up, really, how should patients with allergic asthma be managed? I mean, the first thing is to identify what are some allergic triggers. And that is often helpful by going to see an allergist and getting like allergy skin tested or getting IgE and looking to see whether they have allergen specific IgE to certain types of allergens. And then working with someone to work with their environment and reduce some of the exposures to things that are triggering these allergic responses. Then of course, you know, the mainstay is inhaled corticosteroids that blocks, you know, a lot of the pathways of allergic asthma. Sometimes patients are treated with oral corticosteroids when they have exacerbations and things like that. Maybe with just, you know, inhaled corticosteroids that that's all they need, you know, if their asthma is relatively mild or, you know, not doesn't need a lot of other therapies. They also often now the guidelines recommend these inhaled corticosteroids and a long acting beta agonist, which comes in a combination therapy. And sometimes, you know, we use them when they have an exacerbation. And there are other therapies as well, you know, like some of the leukotriene modifiers that work as well on type two allergic asthma, Montelukast and Zephyrlukast, Zilutin or some oral medications that are used. And then those who significantly still have trouble after you've worked on the environment and you've given them inhaled corticosteroids, they may be the ones that are eligible for some of these immune-based therapies that I mentioned, those that work on the type 2 inflammatory endotypes and biologics, such as the anti-IgE or omalizumab, benrilizumab, reslizumab, and mepolizumab, which work on IL-5, and then dupilumab, which works on the IL-4 and IL-13. So those are the five biologics that are for allergic asthma. And now we have the anti-TSLP 
or tezepelizumab, it just came out and that might help also the non-type 2 asthma. So that's what I would say, like in a stepwise approach, you know, working globally with the patient. The other thing to think about as well is to make sure that they are, know how to use the medications properly, adherence and proper use of the inhalers is also super important as well. And if they aren't adherent, trying to understand why and kind of a shared decision-making model, like why do you not want to use the medications that are being prescribed by your physician? So that's also important in the, in the landscape as well is to look at adherence and knowledge on how they know, if they know how to use the medication properly as part of the management. It sounds like those would be some challenges as well. What are some other challenges associated with treating patients with allergic asthma? Sometimes despite trying all the therapies available, their asthma is still not well controlled. And so then there are some interest in thinking about other novel therapies. So I'm also part of the Precise Network, which is an NHLBI initiative where we're looking at precision-based biomarker-driven therapy, looking at novel therapies that haven't been used in asthma before. That is some of the challenges that despite, you know, we've got five biologics, we've got inhaled corticosteroids, we have all these different medications. Some of them are now triple therapy therapies where you have an inhaled costeroid, a long-acting bad agonist, and a long-acting muscarinic antagonist all in one inhaler, and their asthma is still not controlled, and they try biologics. We're looking at some other novel therapies. In the precise network, some of them that we're looking at in the teens, we're looking at an, an oil, like an MCT oil, which is a nutritional supplement that might induce ketogenesis that might help with as bad asthma. There's a medication we're trying called bronchovaxone, which is a kill bacterial lysis that we're trying to see as a novel therapy for asthma. And then in the adults, we are looking, um, the one I'm really interested in is the anti-IL-6, clazakizumab, because uh, that is being used, it's used in rheumatologic disorders. And there's a lot of evidence on some of the work I mentioned before that IL-6 is really critical in this NOTCH4 pathway and all this inflammation in type uh, 17. And so that's a biologic. We're also looking at Imatinib, which is a C-kit inhibitor used in cancer, and something called Cabasanstat, which is used with mucus in cystic fibrosis. And there was discussion on looking at JAK inhibitors as well, but I don't think we're looking at that right away. But we're doing kind of this adaptive trial where you take a biomarker and take patients and try them on different therapies and adapt to what they respond into in kind of a precision-based approach. So that network's on preciseasthma.org, and that's also another type of thing. And that's what is, you know, something with the challenges that despite all the therapies out there, we still have patients who are still suffering and difficult to control asthma. What would you say are the overall take-home messages from your study? I mean, I would say I kind of mentioned the kind of body of work when it comes to endotypes and phenotypes of asthma, that right now we've come a long way in our understanding of asthma. We've understood the basic pathophysiology of asthma and certain phenotypes and endotypes that point to certain types of asthma. Then we have figured out certain endotypes and biomarkers that are predictive of really bad asthma and then developed therapy to act on those as well. You know, besides kind of nonspecific with corticosteroids, we also have, you know, immune-based biologics that really act on these bio to reduce biomarkers that are associated with significant disease. And there's some more in the pipeline, you know, that we're looking at as well. And as we further our understanding of why patients have significant asthma, then we'll be able to, you know, better care for our patients. The landscape of precision-based therapy is really here. We're trying to have personalized 
personalized therapy where a patient comes into clinic and you see that potentially they have a certain phenotype or characteristic or, or endotype that may point to a certain therapy that may work better for that patient. Because that's one of the challenges. It's not like a one size fits all. It's not that the same therapy can be, you know, used for everyone and everyone get the same response. And that was in the old days. You know, we just had a few therapies and everybody with asthma and just got put into the bucket of asthma and they all just got treated the same way. So I think we're now in more of a personalized approach and we're making a lot of headway in that area. So that's what I would say is the overall messages on this kind of body of work when it comes to endotypes and phenotypes of asthma. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? No, thanks for your time. I hope that if you have any questions, just reach out. Will do. Thank you again. And thanks for all of your work on this.